Capital Market Insights from ICMA. Hello, everyone. My name is Simone Utermark. I'm a director within ICMA's sustainable finance team. This podcast is part of a series dedicated to the social bond market. Throughout the series, you will hear from the coordinators of the ICMA Social Bond Working Group, as well as guest speakers from across the industry, including issuers, investors, underwriters, and external reviewers, all looking to update you on the latest developments under the social bond principles and adding their perspective on this key theme. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the ICMA Social Bond Podcast. My name is Jacob Michelson. I am Head of Sustainable Finance Advisory at Nordea. And today I'm joined by Marco Massip, Head of EST Strategy and Reporting from Telefonica, and Matthew Reed, Head of Development Sustainable Finance at EDF. Matthew, Marco, maybe if I could ask you in the beginning just to introduce who are EDF and Telefonica. So EDF is Electricité de France. Uh, we're an electric energy company headquartered in France. We're active around the world. We're one of the largest utilities in the world. Uh, in 2001, we produced 523 terawatt hours of energy. That's a lot. I think one of the interesting things about us is that 91% of that came from decarbonized sources. We're also one of the European leaders in renewable energy. We've developed 34, uh, or we have uh, 34 gigawatts of renewables uh, installed uh, net to date. We've got a target of 60 gigawatts between now and 2030. And of course, like many other utilities in our sector, we're decarbonizing very rapidly. We already have one of the lowest carbon factors uh, in Europe, and we plan to be net neutral uh, by 2050. Well, so uh, Telefonica is a telecommunications uh, leader in Spain and Latin America. We have presence in more than 15 countries, uh, uh, implementing and operating a net, a mobile fixed and TV networks. We have about 370 million accesses of all these uh, technologies. And we have uh, laid out the largest a fiber optics network uh, in Europe, which comprises uh, the sum of the main uh, five uh, countries uh, that follow us. Super, thank you for that. For the conversation today, we are looking at the issue of perspective. And in particular, we have two innovative and leading corporates that have dipped their toes into the sustainable finance and also social uh, or sustainable bond space over the last couple of months and years. And we are very fortunate to, uh, to hear those perspectives and reflections on, on the market. In the next 20 or so minutes, we'll, we'll cover a few different perspectives, uh, but basically make sure to, uh, to get the insights from these two seasoned veterans around the social bond market and, and any broader reflections. Without further ado, I think we can simply start off with, uh, with a question, Marco, on your end. What attracted you to uh, to going down the route of social as well as green? Well, uh, thank you, Jacob. Well, uh, I must say that green uh, financing, of course, was a good start for us. But really, uh, social financial, we, we perceived from the beginning that that was a feeling which a company like ours had a lot to say. 
and particularly, I think, COVID uh, period uh, confirmed that. No, the, the, the role and the value of connectivity, the way we should reach all people of all uh, social stages, of all social environments. Um, I think it is in a, in a moment of transformation for our industry. I think that was, uh, that was very clear. And I think it's a very good place to, to begin working on that. And, and Tan has proven <laughs> that it was a very good idea. Very good. And, and Marco, maybe can I ask you to clarify? So when you looked at the social space as a, a large global telco operator, what is it that for you uh, can be social? Well, uh, I think um, we believe two, things, two basic things. No? That uh, first, connectivity is a key issue for uh, social and country development or regional development. Uh, the introduction of, uh, of uh, high-speed broadband all over uh, the countries and having a massive uh, availability for this kind of technologies, it's key for, for uh, the development of new companies, for the development of uh, talents, for the development of uh, uh, R&D, etc. And also, um, it is also, we believe that a, a com a completing the last mile of coverage within our countries, and this means like, for example, covering countries in like a Southern, South American countries, um, Argentina, Peru, Mexico, etc., in which you can make a difference because there's a large customer base of unconnected or underconnected uh, people that really makes a difference. And this is where we are going. This is very complemented to the approach we are taking on green financing uh, because we are, let's say, shifting from traditional copper technologies to fiber. But the huge social effect that these new networks uh, are uh, impacting on societies, I, I could say it's much higher. And so for you, it was key to really to make sure to clarify that in this case it was about connecting people that weren't connected that was really the the social value add yes yes as i said people that was un unconnected or that didn't have a when i mean unconnected is people that didn't have a high speed broadband uh, access either available or affordable and that perhaps would live in areas of countries in which uh, telco technologies were simply not available Thank you for that, Marco. Matthew, turning to, to EDF, you have been a green bond issuer, but also have a specific and separate social bond framework. And uh, as an energy company, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your experiences with that and, and why social made sense for you guys. Sure. Yeah, I think it's a little similar to what Marco described for Telefonica. So at EDF, our history is, the history of the company in any case, is sort of very much intertwined with development in France after the war and very strong social aspects just integrated into the statutes of the company. So that's just part of our DNA as, as it happens, I think. What led us to it is our approach to sustainable finance overall, which is that our strategy, the corporate strategy at EDF is essentially what frames our sustainable finance strategy. That's to say, we see sustainable finance as a tool that finances our overall corporate strategy. So 
EDF has a raison d'être. It's essentially a corporate mission statement, but every company over a certain size in France is obligated to have a raison d'être. And ours is to build a net zero energy future with electricity and innovative solutions and services to help save the planet and drive well-being and economic development. And so that first part, the net zero energy future and innovative solutions, that's we've focused on that through our green bond framework since 2013 now. The latter part of that, focusing on economic development, we were interested in developing a financing framework that could respond to some of the interest we'd seen in investors from investors to be able to actually invest in some of those activities. So as we looked around, we noticed that we obviously have significant pools of, of CapEx associated with those activities. And, and ultimately what led us there was, again, our strategy. So we have a variety of corporate KPIs that we report on, 16 total that reflect our sustainability strategy, which comes out of the raison d'etre. And one is around responsible development in the territories we're in. And we have a commitment to maintain a certain level of purchase activity with small suppliers in France. Um, and that represents a really significant amount of capex for us. And we thought it would be interesting to our investors, and it turned out to be the case that they might want to have the chance to invest in that activity because we're already reporting on it. It corresponds to our strategy, and that would allow us to start developing the sustainable finance pillar as relates to the social aspect. Because on again, on the green bond side, we've been in the market since 2013. We've issued six green bonds to date for, I think now just under 9 billion euros. I need to check on that. I think it's 8.75 billion. I don't, I believe that's the green amount. So it was a way we could start developing the social angle because that was just a reflection of what we were doing already. Thank you for that, Matthew. And it, it's interesting to hear that. Maybe, is it fair to say that there wasn't just one real reason for why you went down that social path? Maybe putting words, words in your mouth, but it was perhaps somewhat obvious in that, in light of the developments around COVID as well, but also in terms of your experience already with sustainable finance, having already the internal infrastructure for, for green issuance, that social kind of just made sense. Yeah, I, I think that's right. We were looking for the opportunity. I think COVID really brought it to the fore. And then the question very quickly became like, how come these activities help drive additionality. And so that gets into maybe some of the conversation around what does the market want to see? What do investors want to see? But that was kind of the next step. So seeing that we had significant activity that brought social benefit, that corresponded, by the way, to the principles that ICMA set forth around a target population and then measuring the impact, we thought we had a really strong story to tell there. But then we had to take it a step further and start talking about what kind of additionality we were bringing to the territories we were in. And I think that's an important part of it as well. It, it certainly is. And, and Matthew, maybe you could just uh, expand for us as well exactly what is in the scope of your framework, your social bond framework, and target population certainly, but also you do mention additionality. It would be interesting to hear a little bit more what this actually means. Yeah. So... Our social bond framework focuses on our small suppliers. So what it says essentially is that we'll finance um, CapEx related to our activities, CapEx, not OpEx, our, to our activities in France through EDF and through entities who's our, our subsidiary that runs the French distribution network. Uh, and so in any given year, you know, that amounts to uh, probably around a billion of purchase, billion euros of purchase activity depends on the year. And as I mentioned, we already had uh, a KPI reflecting that it says we'll maintain uh, between 22 
and 26% of our purchases from these small suppliers. The small supplier definition, by the way, comes from the European definition. So by definition, that's the enterprise or company with 250 employees or less and turnover, I think, of 40 million euros a year or less. So we're just taking the, the European definition right there. And so, you know, one of the questions we got was, well, aren't you guys doing this already? Where's the additionality? First of all, for some of these suppliers, first of all, they have a very specific expertise. So whether it's in the distribution network or in our production activities, they've developed an expertise that if we went away as a, a client of theirs, first of all, it would probably have an impact on their ability to maybe one of just a handful of contracts that they have, but also the expertise that they have. It's very important for us that that stay around. And why is it important? Well, we have to supply electricity, but also our activity, and this is part of what ties into our green bond approach, is very low carbon. So we have one of the lowest carbon factors among utilities around the world. And so these are suppliers that are already contributing to a very low carbon production base. And so that in and of itself is if you were, it's fine to ask a question about additionality, but then the question is also, if we went away as a supplier, this activity wasn't happening, then you have to kind of look at it that where's the baseline? Sure. But then what would happen if this went away or if we moved to larger suppliers? And so we're sort of committing ourselves to that. So the idea is we're financing this activity that we have already. But truly what it was, we published the framework with that in place that we're going to fund our small suppliers. And we heard from a number of our investors of saying, we'd really like to see what you guys can do to bring more additionality, which of course was a question we were asking ourselves. But we felt very strongly that we had to take sort of a transparent and very science-based approach. So we actually worked internally and with a third party to develop a methodology to target economic zones in France that had problems with unemployment. So we define that as unemployment that's either above the national average or is declining uh, more slowly than the national average. And then looking at our small supplier base there. And then we basically said those activities where we're actively contributing to unemployment, to resolving unemployment challenges, that's where we're going to direct our use of proceeds. And that's, that was due in part to something we wanted to see in the commitment we have in our territories, but also feedback we received in consultation, both with our advisory banks and with our investor base. And so that's an ongoing conversation, by the way, I would say, we'll look to continue to deepen that approach as we go forward. Thank you for that, Matthew. And I think there's a, certainly a few points to, to pick up here uh, in terms of business as usual and, and continuous sort of monitoring and, and development. Um, clearly contrasting social versus green, uh, it, it leads to some very different discussions and, and, and different contexts to be mindful about. Marco, a little bit on, on your side, reflecting on, on Matthew's comments as well on, on business as usual. I, I'd be interested in hearing how, how you've explained to your stakeholders, both internally but also externally, uh, why this is different. Is, is this something that you aren't doing already or why is there a need really to talk about this in a social manner? I think and it is very interesting what Matthew have just said, no? because I think there are similarities in both companies regarding to the social role that our companies play in our societies, no? in, the, in the communities in which we operate. No? Uh, I think, well, of course, I, I'm not an expert in EDF or, or in uh, utility industry, but I presume, no? I, I think it's fair to say, that companies like EDF and Telefonica in their markets, no, in which they play significant role in GDP creation, no, uh, are not in, a, in the same position as perhaps other competitors of the same industries, no, that are, let's say, it's like if you talk about 
Air France and EasyJet, for example, no, or, or you know, there are different, very a lot of the or Iberia in Spain and and Ryanair, no, for example, no, there are companies that play. They may make this. I mean, they they may be in the same business in the same industry, but certainly do not have the same role, no. And I think in our case, it was very very significant uh, what happened in March 2020. In March 2020, all around the world particularly uh, we can say about this in Europe and Western countries at least, from one day to the other, a lot of people had to stay home. And this means that, for example, a lot of pressure was put into telco networks, into telecommunication networks, either fixed or mobile, in order to work at home, to have entertainment at home, to have education at home. And that I think most operators in the world, but let's say I would say most incumbent operators in the world, responded to that successfully and proving the social effect of the social value, let's say, of telecommunications. I think it was a very clear case in a very concrete moment, no? Because, for example, I, and it may be different. I'm not sure about this, and perhaps Matthew can can complement uh, with this uh, his vision on his industry. But I can tell you that in our industry, demand of traffic was multiplied by three times, four times, it depends on the country, immediately from one day to the other. Okay, and networks had to be there, and net networks were there, responded successfully. And as I said, this is. This covers from, uh, let's say, working at home and having Teams or Zoom availability to having Netflix <laughs> or uh, all around uh, the day, no? uh, in a very, very different uh, way of using. So I think this was a, one trigger for us that said, well, we have proven we have a social effect. Now, I think market should help us uh, back, this, back this idea. And so Marco, is, is it fair to say that maybe it's not really about business as usual or not. It's okay to do business as usual if you are very clear about your social statement. Matthew Absolutely. referred to this as the raison d'etre, and, and it seems that that is the same for, for Telefonica. Absolutely. I, I can say I disagree personally with the idea of business as usual versus, versus I mean, you, for example, companies create social effects by hiring people by paying good salaries, by creating infrastructure, etc., even if it's their own raison d'etre. No? So why are not we considering that? I mean, if this is helping society for the better, if this is helping society transform itself, why shouldn't we rely on this? No? I think I absolutely uh, think that should be the case. And I said, as I said, not all countries, not all companies in the same industry play the same role. For example, also following the, the COVID uh, March 2020 example, there were many people of every country stranded in different countries. And yes, I will follow with the airline example. Who are you calling? Which companies were uh, governments calling for having the, lo the, the, the locals that were in foreign countries back? Certainly not the cheap airline companies. No? <laughs> they, they were supported by uh, incumbent companies. No? So, and I think this is this is clear. No? This is I'm not trying to say at all that you have to be an incumbent and that you have to play such a big big role in order to to be eligible for for social financing. But I think in this case it, it certainly should work. Well, thank you for that, Marco. And and maybe staying with you, just a, a reflection on your side also in terms of 
the demand and market reception of your sustainable bonds when you have been discussing these sort of more social applications? Any Anything you can highlight? Well, I think market reception for us has been great. Uh, we have had oversubscription for all uh, operations, no? or, or issuances we have done uh, up to now. And I think that, well, in, in my humble opinion, there are a few things that may have helped or contributed to this. No? I, I think in general, I, I would say investors are looking for a wider var- variety on, on companies no? in, on which to invest. No? So having or being the first, as we were, the first in, our, in the industry, is, it's really welcome. It's really, really welcome. On the other side, perhaps there is a lack of a standard a standardization that perhaps prevents a, better, a good, good understanding of, of the approaches, not of new approaches, because, well, the question of what is social, what is not social, what is, is it social enough or things like this, I think play a role on what investors do. But as I said, I think market reception uh, so far is, is very good. People in the market, I think, is waiting and willing for new approaches. And I think it's a good opportunity for everybody to find their own story and step in. Thank you for that, Marco. And in the last few minutes, maybe for, for both of you, uh, Matthew and Marco, uh, sort of a, if I was to, to ask you to, to simplify perhaps the main challenge that you've had with, with going social, but maybe also the encouraging words of why you should go down that path, regardless of, of some of the challenges that might be. Uh, Matthew, on your side, what, what comes to mind? Well, on the challenge side, I think to pick up what Marco said, I would agree, I think on social impact, and we've seen this in the conversation, for example, around the social taxonomy here in Europe, standardization, difficulty in measuring impact, all of that. Also, just you know, as an aside, I think what European investors are looking for in terms of social impact versus, for example, what North American investors are looking for is different. So you've got some competing kind of interests happening there. And so it's not quite as simple as just saying, hey, here's how much CO2 we're going to avoid with these investments. I also think on the additionality question, it's an interesting conversation to have. It was certainly a really important one for us, but I think it also picks up on like, what's a use of proceeds bond actually for? Um, you know, ICMA has done a ton of work around sustainability linked bonds these last couple of years. You know, we just had the annual general meeting. There are more announcements around that. And I think that's a really interesting tool when you're talking about additionality because corporates are measuring themselves against sustainability performance. But the idea of a use of proceeds bond all the way back to 2007, when the first one was issued, is to give investors a transparent way to invest in a certain kind of activity and then to audit it and report on the impact. And so while we welcome the conversation around additionality, with the development of tools in this space, I think also it's important to remember what is the use of proceeds bond actually for. And so this corresponds a little bit to what Marco was saying as well. But if you're a major incumbent player, and you have activities that are bringing significant social benefit, which was certainly the case for us, it's a great chance for your investor base to be able to participate in that. And that's great for them because there's this multiplication of different funds with different sort of thematic focuses and impact reporting. So I think it, there's a whole con- around the challenges. It's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to have this conversation around what's the use of proceeds bond for and what's a social bond for. I think the, my encouragement is, and I think as European issuers, both EDF and Telefonica, sometimes 
we're obliged a little bit to think about this as opposed to issuers that are located elsewhere because of the reporting framework we have here in Europe. Certainly in France, that's the case. So we're sort of, we've had for years, we've needed to reflect on what are our environmental impacts? What are our social impacts? How can we communicate on this in a meaningful way? How can we go further? And so, like I said, that strategy is there, we're working on it. And then my job running sustainable finance is to come in behind that and say, how can we fund this? How can we get investors that want to participate in this involved? How can we have that dialogue with them? And I think the opportunity there is to have that conversation internally to continue to improve, but also to get feedback from the market and understand how standards are developing and how we can do better. So it really goes both ways. It's a major opportunity there. And I don't think you have to be an established player here. You just have to have the willingness to reflect on what kind of value you're bringing think about it more broadly. I think that's generally true of sustainable finance and then to, to step in. And I think, again, ICMA, just to make a plug here, has so many tools available for this from handbooks around impact reporting to, I mean, the principles themselves are really useful. It, there really is a robust toolkit for investors or issuers rather want to get involved with this. So that, I think there too, I would, as an encouragement, say, don't miss the good work that ICMA has done around this. We, we could certainly we could certainly echo that I think uh, for a good good while. Thank you for that, Matthew, uh, Marco. On your end, uh, reflecting remarks on maybe the challenges, but but really also what uh, value there is when you see through those challenges. Well, I think uh, I agree with with Matthew. No, uh, issuers in Europe face perhaps a more challenging task of, of showing, no? of, of demonstrating uh, impact. No? Uh, however, I think for a while, perhaps uh, investors or, or debtors have not, did not have a good understanding of the industries, no? of the industries in which they were investing. And I think this is an opportunity uh, for, for the participants in this market, no? for, for, for the companies that have bet for this kind of financing. No? In, 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 the, in the telco industry, we've seen very different strategies uh, among, among key players, uh, at least in Europe. And we are certainly for this uh, kind of investment. And we have, we plan to multiply by, by three times in coming years, the amount uh, among all different instruments no? that, that we have issued. And, and having a better understanding also uh, from the other side also help us to improve and fine tune uh, our operation. And I think that is that is a good, a very very good thing. We are also willing very much on the arrival of uh, European social taxonomy. I think that a current taxonomy, green taxonomy, is not reflecting the value of a telecommunications industry enough. Uh, I honestly do. <laughs> so I think social taxonomy should be the chapter, no, I think, in which we can explain wider and better and more profound and deeper uh, impact in, in society. So I think, uh, of course, this will pose uh, challenges in the reporting side, as we are all suffering no, to, to try to connect um, our accounts <laughs> to to, to, the, to the green taxonomy elements. This is, I mean, I think perhaps the, the game here is just starting instead of being st stabilized. But I'm sure that in the long term, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for companies in our industry, for the companies that want to enter this. May I highlight also the idea of long term? Okay. 
which is something uh, that we are really pursuing. I think this kind of financing, uh, not just because of the instruments themselves, but in the in the use of proceeds that Matthew was saying, should be also a lever or a tool to increase to increase companies' focus on the long term, which I think for for a long long time we have served certain interests, which I fully respect. But I think uh, anything sustainable and anything that is transformational for society cannot be uh, developed in the short term. So in the end, I think we should be aligning internal and external outputs or outcomes just by having a sincere and robust uh, bet for, for the long term. And this is also where social investment uh, and financing can, can play a great role. Wonderful. I think with those remarks, we are set for, for wrapping up. Marco Masip, Matthew Reed, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to speak to us today. For all of you listening out there, I hope you enjoyed it and stay safe and, and go social. Thank you for listening. For more ICMA podcasts and further information on capital markets, please visit our website, icmagroup.org.